It's time for JT the Brick. Hey, JT, how you doing, man? A lot of people think this is the year of the Chargers. Vegas handicappers, NFL insiders. Fortunately, I've been down this road before. Another reminder that the Chargers didn't make the playoff last year. NFL Network, another reminder that the Chargers did not make the playoffs last year. They lost in Las Vegas. Get me some anti-Charger stuff in here now. Sound off like you got a pair. JT the Brick. They have the choke G. They choke. The Chargers with the C, they choke. I should have nine lines packed every segment destroying the Chargers. Use the phone like a weapon. I want an all-out assault from the Raider Nation on the opposition. Just win, baby. And now, here's JT the Brick. Out of the gate, JT at the Raider facility, the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. I'm in their vast studio here, which I love to be at. It feels more professional and footballish than anywhere in the world. And I love being at home, love being in the Lotus studio. But when you come in here, you just feel it. The greatness of the Raiders past and what the Raiders are trying to do. Heading forward to the future, the GM of the team, Dave Ziegler, will join us live. He's going to join us here coming up in a few minutes. Looking forward to talking to Dave again, get his opinion on the season, what lies ahead, uh, some of the players, their evaluation, and what he sees coming into this game against the Chargers, which is a massive game. Massive game here. It would be a massive game if the Raiders' record was a little bit better, but the record still could give the Raiders the momentum that they need to continue to play meaningful games. Every game's important in this building. Every game's important. But you want to play for big possibilities down the road, and that could happen with a win here. And an opportunity, opportunity to take out an opponent that you're familiar with that you lost to earlier in the year, split the season series with them, and have, have them in trouble. Put them in trouble. The way the Raiders have caused disarray in the city of Denver – and throughout the Rockies, because Denver's done, and the coach is probably going to be gone, and the Raiders swept them, and they're playing a big role in that. The Chargers and the Raiders have a huge game on Sunday. It is massive, and the Raiders need to build the momentum that they've had with two rare, rare overtime victories back-to-back before they come home. I'll talk about that with Dave Ziegler. I just interviewed the head coach, Josh McDaniels. You'll hear that tomorrow as we usually play it in one of our Friday slots, probably out of the gate at noon tomorrow. Coaches bouncing off the walls excited about way, with the way this team is reacting and what's in front of them here going up against a really good opponent. I wish both these teams were at full strength. I wish they were both at full strength. Nate Hobbs, Joey Bosa, you know, Mr. Interception, J.C. Jackson. What a signing by the Chargers. They get the biggest name free agent, and he's been unavailable. Uh, the receivers are always hurt for the Chargers or banged up or something's wrong with them, and the Raiders don't have Waller and Renfro. Can you imagine if this game was at 100%? It's almost like going to a Broadway show or a concert, and the lead guitar and the drummer aren't going to be performing. There are a lot of guys out, and it should benefit the Raiders. So as we look closer at the injury report coming up here, uh, leading up to this game, and then the short week heading to take on the Rams in Los Angeles, this is an important moment for the Raiders to take back this entire season. Remember, they went on that extended trip to Florida and lost to Jacksonville and before that, New Orleans. They had a goal and a vision to travel to Florida, win two games, build camaraderie on the road, and they went 0-2. Now they have an opportunity to do something just as unique. Come home, 
play a game against an opponent that's better than them when it comes to win and loss record, and then go take on the world champions who have a lot of troubles going with them in the Rams. In what will be a Raider home game, we can guarantee that. There'll be many more Raider fans than Ram fans. There'll be many more Raider fans, obviously so, at Allegiant Stadium coming into that game. So with all of this going down, I think we have a six, seven-day window that we should all be on edge, you know, and have a good opportunity for that. You know, a six, seven-game window to go into a home game and then have an opportunity to go into the Rams where the Raiders are going to take over that stadium at SoFi. So the Raiders will have two opportunities, which will feel like two home games. One in Allegiant, obviously, and then one in Los Angeles at SoFi. So this is a critical critical couple of days coming up here as the Raiders are trying to find ways to get ready. The Raiders are trying to get find ways to get ready and be able to build on all this momentum at the right time and have an opportunity to take advantage of the opportunity right in front of them as we bring in the general manager, Dave Ziegler. How are you, Dave? Outstanding. Thanks for having me today, Good JT. to have you. Appreciate you making time. As I just said, there's a nice window coming up here as it feels like you've been gone a while, right? And now yes. you come home after two Really emotional overtime victories. Yeah. Um, one, we're excited to be back at home and to be in front of Raider Nation. And, you know, we've got a lot of support from Raider Nation on the road, too. Um, they really showed up in Seattle. And, and they, impa- they impacted the game, too. Um, you know, there's just a level of comfort that you get when you go into an away stadium and you see all the silver and black. And our fans, they let you know when they're there. You know, they're, they're not sitting on their hands. And so, um, you know, so that, that part was awesome. Um, and, and, it was a, and it was an emotional win, and it was fun to be able to share it with the fan base. But we're excited to get back in, into a legion and see all the silver and black in there and, and um, you know, put out a good performance in front of the home group. I just interviewed the head coach and I asked him about that walk-off play, and it's great video. And you were there to hear the crowd and then the Raider Nation. When he got to about the 40-50 on the Raider side and then took off, and the roar of the Raider crowd and how quiet Seattle was, that was a rare moment in social media history. Yeah, that was fun. That was good. <laughs> I really enjoyed that. And just, you know, it's been, um, I would say, even throughout the year, and, and you know, obviously um, it hasn't, you know, went, we haven't won as many games as we have liked to, to, to have won up to this point. But, you know, the, the Raider fan base and just the support that we, that we receive um, and, and their dedication to the team and, and their passion for the team, it's, it's a lot of fun. You know, it just it motivates you to want to win, um, you know, for that group even more. And, and that's the thing is for, for me and for, for Josh and, and myself, like, you know, we've had, we've had a, the, the um, opportunity to go to the mountaintop. Yeah. You know, we've been to – I personally have been to four Super Bowls. Um, three Super Bowl rings and, and have got to experience all the things that come come along with that. We want to do that for Raider Nation. That's part of the motivation is for Mar- to, to win for Mark and to win for this fan base. And that's going to be that's what's going to be rewarding about this. Um, you know, uh, our, our our run here is is being able to do that. It's not for me and it's not for Josh. I mean, you know, we we want to win, but we want to win for Mark and we want to win for Raider Nation, and, and that's the goal. You've been in a lot of celebrations and bigger games, playoff games and Super Bowl. But for regular season, to see you in the locker room with the head coach, Matt Crosby, waiting for Derek to come in, then waiting for Josh to come in, the genuine appreciation that you had for those moments, especially because, Dave, it's so rare, even in Major League Baseball or in the NBA, to win 
back-to-back overtime games on the road and then come home again. Did that hit you guys on the plane, how rare it is to do that? Yeah. Yeah, Josh and I looked over at each other at one point on the plane ride home and just smiled and shook our heads. Like, yeah. wow. Like, what, what, you know, the, the, um, what occurred the last two weeks um, were special wins, you know? And, and what I mean by their special wins is because they were hard fought. And they weren't special in the sense of like, yeah, it's not the AFC championship. It's not the Super Bowl. But when you've seen a group of men, I would say the players and the coaches that have went through a lot of adversity throughout the season, um, you know, haven't lived up to, to certain expectations in, in certain areas. And to know the amount of work that the coaches put in, the hours that they put in, what we demand for our players, and to start to see them get rewarded and, and, and get the payoff, that's where my emotion is. My emotion and excitement is after the game is because I'm excited for them. Yeah, and, um, and I'm going to celebrate a victory now um, because they're hard to come by and we're going to have some fun when we do it. Dave Ziegler is our guest. So what was wrong in the early part? Part of the year when you look back. We talked about preparation, which we believe everybody has a good practice week. Now, not all going to be perfect, but these six one-loss game possession games compared to now these overtime wins. Have you seen something different in regards to practice, meetings, film study, preparation, or was it pretty much the same in week two as it is right now? No, I think we've grown in all those areas. And when I say we, I think you know the, the guys on the team have grown in terms of Um, Now, let me just say this. This is a hard program. We demand a lot. Um, We demand a lot when it comes to preparation. We demand a lot when it comes to practice habits. We demand a lot when it comes to attention to detail and accountability. That just doesn't happen. Like, you have to work at that. You have to teach people what that means. And and not just the players, but that's happening in the scouting department, Mm -hmm. too. Um, you have to teach them what those standards are, and and you and guys have grown um, in that way. Guys have started to understand a little bit more what it takes from a preparation standpoint, what it takes to be dialed in um, and focused at practice to be able to take what you're doing on the practice field and do it in a live situation. Now, we're not perfect at that, but guys are starting to learn, and now they're starting to see some of the results of that. And I think at the beginning of the year, um, I don't think not everybody had the understanding of what that was, and that's not to anybody's fault. That's part of the process when you when you put a bunch of people together that are new, and I think that's part of it. And I think the other thing is um, the last two weeks, what we have what we had a problem with at the beginning of the year, and, and again, there's no guarantee we couldn't have that problem this week mm-hmm. is we uh, haven't cre- we we weren't creating a lot of negative plays on defense, but we were creating a lot of negative plays on offense with penalties and a lot of third and seventeens, second yeah. and twenty fives, and things like that. And when you're not creating negative plays on the defensive side of the ball, but you're inflicting a lot of negative plays on yourself, it's a really tough formula to win a close game. And I think, you know, we've done a good job of that in the last two weeks. But it's, again, to your question, it's a lot about the process and people learning what it takes. Dave Ziegler, GM of the Raiders, is our guest. So I want to stay on that because I picked it up with Mick Lombardi when he spoke the other day. Your evaluation, your standard is higher. That's not a knock against other organizations. That's just where you came from Mm -hmm. with your success you had. And now the players are starting to understand that. So that is kind of a buy-in question, but it's also evaluation and how a player handles, well, we lost two in a row or two out of three or three out of four, and I'm coming in here and I'm getting evaluated. I'm being graded, 
and how the player handles that mentally, mm-hmm. that's a process that obviously could take more than a season or six games. I'm starting to see that where some players are better than others of taking criticism and rolling ahead. Yeah, and that's what we're, that's what we're looking for long term is at the end of the day, we want to bring players in here uh, that are, have a passion for football, um, that want to invest in the process, that like to get pushed, that like to get critical feedback. Um, that like to grind through practices and, and do it in the weight room. And they, they, they're about self-growth. And um, we want to get 53-plus guys, you know, that have that mindset. And, you know, when we're going through this process, that's what we're evaluating. We're evaluating um, from my perspective and, and from Josh's perspective, um, not just the actual physical skill set on the field, but who has that DNA, that cha- and I think it's championship DNA, because I think to have that mindset that that's how you win championships is when you have a lot of people that are invested in the process, that like to, like to be pushed, that like to be told that they're not doing something well so they can improve it. Um, we're evaluating who those players are. You know, who are the guys that want to get better, that want to take critical feedback, that like to get pushed, that like to grind, that love the game. And when we get more, as we, as we find out who those guys are and start to stack the team with those guys, and, and a lot of that's, uh, you know, my responsibility, um, you know, that's, that's what building a sustained winner is about. That's part of it. Dave Ziegler is our guest. So what improvements have you seen off the field that you've been striving for? Yeah, I think, you know, again, I'd, I'd say there's, there's a few things here. I think one thing, there's a few things that you have to have in place to build a championship caliber program that has some sustained success. Like, Forget what happens on the field. Like the one thing that you have to have uh, that I that I saw in New England, I've seen a lot of other places: Baltimore, um, Green Bay, um, Pittsburgh. Um, one, there's a level of continuity, right? But there's a harmonious relationship between the head coach and the GM and the scouting and the coaching staff. Like if you don't have that harmonious relationship, it's going to be hard to win. You might catch lightning in a bottle, Mm -hmm. but in terms of building a sustained winner. And so I've seen a lot of growth here in the building of just that relationship between coaching, between scouting. Me and Josh have had it. And and now it's starting to spread roots through not just coaching and scouting, but now through the support staff. Like we have an outstanding support staff here, but you have to create buy-in and you have to get on the same page and you have to build a relationship there. And so to have something that's aligned um, is not, there's not a lot of football teams that have a a really strong alignment. And so that's been something that's really been, um, that's not on the field. No one's going to see it, but that's grown in the building and that's really important to our success. And the same thing, like, what accountability and attention to detail means for us. And then teaching what that means to not only the players, but the scouts, to the support staff, to the strength and conditioning staff. Like that has really been something that's, um, that's grown roots and has really improved um, throughout the last 12 weeks. And, and I could go on and on you know, about like what we're doing from a scouting perspective, the growth that I've seen from our college scouts in terms of what we require when it comes to getting character and background research on players, really knowing the players that we're drafting, who they are, what makes them tick, all those, those are all things that have been taught. We just didn't come in and throw guys out on the road and say, hey, go at it. Like that's something that's the foundation for that um, and where we're at now con- compared to where we were at when I came in um, is another major improvement that, again, you have to have in place if you're going to build something that sustains. GM Dave Ziegler joins us. So as we wrap this up, if a critics are asking about the culture in the building, that's what critics do. And they say, well, what's happening here? Who's buying in? Who's going to be here next year? 
What has changed in your tenureship here with the culture when you drive in here every day mm-hmm. from football operations and especially the players and your expectations? Yeah, well, I think the one thing is, um, and we saw it during some of these times of losing. Mm-hmm. That's okay. when it gets tested, right? It's all smooth, and you can cover up a lot of warts when you're winning. Uh, but when you're losing, it all gets put out on the table. And we just recently lost three games in a row, right? We lost to um, we lost to New Orleans, we lost to Jacksonville, and we lost to the Colts. That's a recipe for a collapse, right? Mm-hmm. But because of the relationships that we've built and putting a priority on treating people the right way, um, putting a priority on self-growth, um, creating a culture where critical feedback is something that's just a part of what we do. And, and so like not only have coaches got, not only have players gotten better as we have, if we've done that, coaches have gotten better. Mm-hmm. We don't just sit around and pat each other on the back. Right. You know, we, 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 we are, we're critical with each other. We've, um, you know, we're critical with our assistant coaches. We're critical with our scouts. Um, but you can do that when you've built a relationship, a respectful relationship on the front end and you invest in your growth and they know that you care about them. And that's why we haven't had a fracture. That's why the culture is strong. That's why Josh, that's how Josh treats the team. Josh has been consistent week in and week out. And having that model of consistency, of level-headedness, of continuing to be respectful when things are going bad, to treat people the right way when things aren't going your way. Um, that's, the, that's why the culture is what it is. That's why the, you know, there's the, the, the critics out there, they're doing this, they're doing that. No, we, we've won two in a row. And we've won two in a row um, in tough environments. And we've played tough games because of all this stuff that's going on behind the scenes. I want to get into Max Crosby. I'm a big believer with individual awards. I go back to baseball. You know, Andre Dawson won an MVP on a last-place Cubs team. The record isn't there, as you said. But Max Crosby's individual play, and a lot of it has to do with his coaches and teammates, has put him at a very, very high level where he's being discussed in that category. And as you know, you don't get that award very often. You know, T.J. Watt, J.J. Watt, when it comes around, I grew up with Lawrence Taylor. You sure. want to be the defensive player of the year, let alone the MVP. What have you seen from Max behind the scenes and what you see on the field that puts him in this category where he could be defensive player of the year. And, and I think, you know, he, I think he should be the defensive player of the year. Obviously I'm biased. Um, but behind the scenes, it's, it's the, it's kind of what we've talked about. That's why he's a cornerstone and a really, he's a foundational brick in this whole process and this whole team building piece is because the work ethic, the unselfishness, the drive to get better every day, um, the humbleness to look at oneself and say, I need to get better in these three areas and I'm going to do whatever it takes to get better and improve. That's why you've seen the growth in Max Crosby as the player. And he's grown on the personal side too, um, obviously, you know, in, in, in his tenure here that he's been in the league. So there's that piece. On the field, he takes over games. Yeah. I mean, he takes over games, and he takes over games on all three downs. It's not just the pass rush stuff. He penetrates and tackles for loss. Um, in the Seattle game, we needed two. We needed there was two rushes on third down where we needed someone to make a play on the quarterback. That's what he did. Yeah. He took over the game and he made a play in the critical moments when it counts. And like you said, when you're when you don't have a winning record, you don't have maybe as many of those critical moments, um, you know, to win a game where you're, you're the decided you're one you're one of the deciding factors. And I think um, you know Max showed that this past week, and he showed it in Denver, and he showed it throughout the year. But when you're lo- when you're losing or on the losing side of things, it doesn't get um, advertised as much. But Pure and simple, the guy can take over a game on three downs. He creates a, a, a lot of negative plays, 
teams have to game plan how to stop Max Crosby, and I think those are a lot of the elements that go into someone that's a defensive player of the year. One more for you, Dave, on a personal note with your job here, where the calendar is, as you're evaluating players who might not be here or will be here next year. What is that process like? Because everybody, you've talked candidly about Josh and his contract potentially going forward. You have time on that. But when you look at other players, Jonathan Abram was let go. You're looking at other players who are going to get more reps. Guys got to come off IR. Guys got to prove they can play coming off IR. What's that like for you personally when you look at the calendar every day, how many games are left and you want to win every game? Yeah. Well, there's a level of stress that goes goes along with it, obviously, because you want to win and, and um, you, you, you want to make decisions that are going to help the team win. And I think at the end of the day, like some of those decisions that we go back to, like we said, is um, uh, we want to have players that can execute on Sundays um, with what they were taught and take it from the meeting room and take it to the practice field and be able to execute in pressure situations. And so as we're looking at like that's a lot of we make a lot of decisions based on that and if um, guys are having let's say guys are struggling doing that consistently and there's another guy that's behind maybe he's a undrafted free agent maybe he's Tyler Hall who we you know who yeah. we signed after a workout or whatever it is and they're showing more of those attributes then we have to give those guys opportunities because we're, we're trying to win now, right? Like we're always trying to win now. We're going to always try to win now. But we're also trying to figure out who's going to fit into this picture long term. Who's going to be here for, for, the, for, the, for the years of consistent winning? And so you have to make some tough decisions and kind of balance things out of saying, uh, you know, we're not getting exactly what we need out of, you know, individual A, play in and play out. Individual B is showing it during the week in practice. He's he's doing all the right things off the field. Like we're going to give those guys opportunities. And so when you're looking at the calendar, um, you're, you're balancing again that short term with the long term. But at the end of the day, um, we're going to give guys opportunities that are showing the traits and the qualities that we know you need to have to survive here in this program and one not only survive but thrive in this program and and that's what we're doing here chargers last one you weren't here for that game but you watched it sure it was incredible yeah i I really (laughs) believe honestly it was the greatest football game ever played for a last game of the season with the steelers riding on it the chargers and to eliminate them you know they're coming in here really bitter about that loss it changed the outcome of their season they're a good team they got guys banged up you have guys banged up but you're home Uh And coming off this and the Cliff Branch celebration, which is going to be incredible, the place is packed. It's a rivalry game going back to Sid Gillum, Al Davis, Bill Walsh and the organization from the L.A. Chargers. What does that mean to you to represent this team, knowing the fans are coming home to see you, excited about those wins? And this is a make-or-break game, make-or-break for the Chargers, too. Uh Yeah, it's a big game. Yeah. And we're not going to hide hide from that fact. And. Um, I wouldn't say the the all the other things that you mentioned with Cliff and the fans and things like that. It's not um, pressure that like weighs on you type of pressure. It's excitement, and we're very excited for this week. We're excited to represent, you know, for Cliff. We're excited to represent for Raider Nation. Um, when you're in this business, you like big games, you yeah. know. And and you know, for a while there, it was like we were in some games where it was like, oh, man, I just we just we just need to win to win because we hadn't won that much. And, you know, we've won a couple of row. This is, you know, this is a, a bigger game in terms of like how this could play out here this sure. year. Uh, we still have our goals in front of us. And so 
just a lot of excitement. And, um, you know, there's a lot of excitement from the players. There's a lot of excitement from the staff. And what it goes back to, JT, as I've said many a times, it goes, we're going to win the game through our preparation throughout the week. And, you know, we've challenged the guys here, you know, this week um, to, to, to continue to prepare and continue to grow and continue to challenge yourself of what can you do more? What can you do more during the week? And we're hopeful, we're hopeful that that preparation during the week will lead to a positive outcome on Sunday. Thanks for your time, Dave. Appreciate you. Great to see you. Yep, Dave Ziegler, the GM. When we come back, we'll take your phone calls at 702-365-9200. Lee Sterling will join us from Paramount Sports. Kevin Bollinger is in the building from Fox 5. We'll get into a discussion with him as we continue on. The monologue brought to you by PT's. Best happy hour in town. A great place to go watch soccer. Soccer USA Soccer on Friday. We're all fired up about that. More from the Raider facility. Third and five from the Seattle 18 right hash. Carr, shotgun snap. Seattle brings a blitz. Dances in the pocket. Fires far pylon. It's caught by Abdullah on the run. In the end zone. Touchdown Raiders. He does a karate kick in the back of the end zone. And he's going to get flagged for it. But an absolute beauty on a wheel route to Abdullah out of the backfield. With an extra point coming to try and tie this game. That's Jason Horowitz on the call. JT back at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. Thanks to Dave Ziegler, who gave us close to 23, 24 minutes on the status of the team. We'd like to get your reaction to the conversation. 702-365-9200. I've said this about all the GMs I've ever sat down with, had the privilege and pleasure to talk to. They're all impressive. They're all football lifers. As Dave talked about being in four Super Bowls and winning three, what I'm fascinated by the most at this time, because like everybody, you want to see the Raiders win. The Charger game is massive. But I want to know more about his process, and I want to get you that content in the Raider Nation so you can evaluate it in your own opinion, not my op- opinion, your opinion. And what impresses me about this coach and this GM, and we'll stay with Dave Ziegler, who just joined us, is their process, as he told you, is demanding. And I think that everybody can understand that. In any work situation you're in, you work from home, you're in a hybrid, you work in an office, you got to commute two hours to work, you got to travel, whatever it is, it's more demanding here under these guys than it's been. It's more demanding because they evaluate you under a different set of rules and requirements. So it could be hard. And not everybody, as Dave said, you know, you have a 53-man roster and then you got practice squad players, some are not going to get it, others are going to get it easier. Some like to be pushed. And basically, Dave just told us, us candidly, that they want to have players who want to be pushed. And that's what championship teams do. There was no mistake that he mentioned. He mentioned Green Bay, Baltimore, and New England, right? That There's a standard in place with all those teams year in and year out. And they're trying to get it here. And there's been other coaches who have tried to, and it didn't work out. They didn't fail. They just didn't work out. And the owner went in a different direction. But you can understand by listening to Dave Ziegler why the owner hired him to kind of change this whole thing up from that side of the building with coaches. And he, 
it's fascinating how deep he is on scouting. I mean, I wanna, I'm going to ask him to do a podcast at some point on his vision of, pot, of what he thinks about the whole building should be with scouting. Because these scouts are now going out under the Ziegler-McDaniels model to find college players. Whereas other models are different. You know, Mike Mayock was a TV guy who had great skills in regards to covering college football players because that's what he did at NFL Network, and John Gruden looked at certain players and liked veterans, I think more than rookies. Coach would tell you that. And these guys want players that they can mold into greatness because of their character principles and what they exactly need on this team. And I think a couple other things that I noticed that we'll save for another conversation is that the players' buy-in was always there. But you, the Raider Nation, needed to see it because you didn't believe it was there. And that's okay. Because you're not in the locker room. I'm not in the locker room either. So we have to have these conversations from time to time with the GM who basically tells you all the captains are bought in so it's easy for the rest of the players to understand. And then what I think is going to be fascinating over the next couple of weeks is who's going to play and who's going to play and who's going to come back and when players come off IR, when do they get on the field again and what do they have to prove to get back on the field? Look, we know Nate Hobbs, Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro have had success with this team. In the past, Josh McDaniels wasn't here for that or Dave Ziegler. Now they're getting evaluated differently. So I think that's a really unique topic and one I want to talk about with you today. After hearing the GM, what do you like about his philosophy or what do you question about his philosophy? It's all wide open, 702-365-9200. I want to spend most of the show. we got Lee Sterling from Paramount Sports. He's going to give you three games for free. Kevin Bollinger from Fox 5 in studio and Pete Futek. Pete Futek, the college football insider, who's a voter when it comes to the Heisman and the polls here. USC's coming into town. USC is in town going up against Utah. It's a huge deal. The amount of USC fans who you can tie to Raider fans, Laker fans, Southern Nevada, Southern California fans, or Raider fans. So USC is coming in here on a, on a, with big momentum with the entire season on the line. This is what we dream of in Vegas for that stadium. You know, you got the East-West Shrine Bowl. You got the Las Vegas Bowl, which I love, by the way. I go to it every year. But when you see a team like USC coming to town with the Heisman Trophy almost in a lockbox, almost locked up and given to Caleb Williams, but it's not a guarantee, and the playoff almost a guarantee if USC wins, it reminds me of the energy that we're talking about with these World Cup soccer games every day. These World Cup soccer games where even if you draw and you don't lose, you might get knocked out of the tournament. And USC's coming in here with enormous pressure on their backs. I mean, an elephant on their back with pressure. The Heisman Trophy at USC means everything. And an opportunity to play in a playoff game, and they're playing at Allegiant Stadium. They'll turn the field around and get it ready for the Chargers and the Raiders. And what I can tell you about this Cliff Branch, what's going to happen with Cliff Branch is massive. It's massive uh, from a Raider perspective, and that's all I'm going to tell you. Just be in your seats, please. Please be in your seats at halftime. Do what I do from time to time. If you're going to get up, get up with a minute 30 to go, unless it's just riveting, riveting, and you're tied to a drive. And that, But if you get a moment at the break under two minutes to get yourself a beverage, hit the restroom, please be in your seats for the Clip Ranch ceremony is because I think it's safe to say We might never have this many gold jackets, ever. We might never, ever, from here on out in Raider history, have this many gold jackets in attendance. And that's a big deal for me. When Woodson and Tim Brown 
and Ted Hendricks and Bolitnikoff, when they're all here, everybody needs to get that and the preparation for Cliff Branch and the celebration. And let me also tell you, I'm really proud of Mark Davis and what he pulled off getting these rings and being the guy, the catalyst that Mark Davis had a passion for this, along with some other people in this building. But it was all led by Mark Davis to get rings for the players who passed away before their ceremony. That is going to be a big part, in my opinion, of Mark Davis's legacy with the Hall of Fame, where his dad's in the Hall of Fame. And the fact that Cliff Branch is going to receive a Hall of Fame ring and his sister Elaine Anderson will be there for him, and he's the first ever player that Mark Davis fought for for everybody. Mark Davis didn't fight for Cliff in his ring. Mark Davis fought for everyone before who passed away to get a ring for their families. And I think that's really special. And, you know, the Raiders care a lot about the Hall of Fame, especially what's going on in Canton, Ohio, and that's a big deal there. 702-365-9200. Thanks again to Dave Ziegler, who joined us. Want to hear from uh, some of the Raider fans who believe this Charger game is going to be a victory here or what you're most concerned about. You know, I'm fascinated by how many players are injured on both sides. Bosa, J.C. Jackson, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams are never at 100%. But Austin Eckler has 80 receptions. So let me give you the key to the entire football game, everyone, because, you know, I think Herbert's a great elite quarterback, and I just saw Derek Carr and had some nice, kind words and talked to him for a second. We were walking by each other uh, down there in the meal room. There's a good quarterback for the Raiders and a very good one for the Chargers. They're going to go head-to-head. Somebody better keep an eye on Austin Eckler. He's got 80 receptions as the running back position, leading the team in receptions at the running back position. So can a Raider fan who's been to games this year or ever tell me how to stop this guy today? 702-365-9200. Because the personnel on the field for the Raiders tell me this is going to be a problem. I'm trying to keep it at a problem and not turn it into a nightmare because Travis Kelsey over the years has been a nightmare. I've been screaming from the top of the Raider mountaintop, put your hands on Kelsey, man, get your hands on Kelsey, and it never, never happens. Never happens, as in never. I say, hey, man, double Tyreek Hill, do something. Never, never, never got fixed. Prior regime. New regime here. And the good takeaway here is with Patrick Graham's defense, which, again, I don't think they have all the players that they want, wink, wink, for this defense. But the guys now, as it's been simplified over the last couple of weeks, now these players are rewarding themselves with the ability to play a different style of defense, a little bit more man-to-man, as you've been able to notice, Uh, the ability to get a little bit more aggressive and blitzing. But still, the middle of the field is wide open. So we saw this with Alvin Kamara. And Alvin Kamara torched the Raiders in New Orleans because the Raiders couldn't match. They didn't score. They didn't get it past the midpoint line until the backup quarterback came in, the Raiders' offense. And they failed, I thought, miserably with Kamara. That can't happen with Eckler. You could debate that Eckler is better than Kamara health-wise and production-wise this year. That's an easy debate to give to Eckler. And the Raiders have to either put a spy on him or they're going to have to give multiple people to him behind the line of scrimmage when he runs these wheel routes and he runs these slant routes. He is doing what Hunter Renfro does at the Hunter Renfro position of slot receiver. Eckler's doing it out of the backfield. So all the teams that they have played combined have been able to figure him out. A couple of teams have done better jobs than others. But we are sitting here at this point in time looking for an opportunity for someone to take him out of the game. 
the Belichick model, right? Take one guy out of the game. It used to be Keenan Allen or Mike Williams, but those guys are never healthy. One of them might pop. One of them might have a touchdown or maybe two, but they've been so inconsistent health-wise that you can't count on them, but you can count on Eckler, who actually lives in Las Vegas. Austin Eckler lives out here. A lot of my mutual friends are friends with him, see him around town. He wants to do well in Vegas, I promise you. So let's get into the game plan and break it down on how to stop him. And then after we talk about how to stop him, we'll talk about how the Raiders counter on offense with the limited resources they have. They have Devontae, they have Josh Jacobs. Uh, We'll get more on the injury status of Josh coming up here as I'm in the building. We'll talk more about that and hopefully get some people as fired up as Dave Ziegler, who joined me for 25 minutes and I've been on for 40 minutes. And maybe we'll get a Raider fan with a pulse who's as ready for this game as I am. Because this is a big one. This is the game I have circled. I'm not circling anymore. I really didn't have any circled before. I'm not sitting there circling with a red pen. This one I have circled. You'll learn a lot about this team here on their growth, their preparation, and how they execute. I think they're prepared. Dave Ziegler tells you how they're growing together. Now they have to execute this game plan against the Chargers, who are a very good team. But fortunately, the Chargers are missing some of their best players, just like the Raiders. 702-365-9200, at JT the Brick on Twitter and on Facebook. And I'm all ready for soccer. Are you ready for soccer tomorrow? Excuse me, Saturday at the crack of dawn. I mean, early, early, early soccer. We'll get into the schedule as these teams are advancing and the teams that are not. So jump on board. We're brought to you by Virgin Hotels Las Vegas. They got concerts, great restaurants, and a good opportunity to pop into Virgin this weekend and see all the entertainment that they have there. When we come back, Lee Sterling will join us from Paramount Sports. He's going to give you three games for free. If you're a gambler, get a pen. Get a pen. Or put it in your phone because you need free picks. I talk to sportsbook directors, and these casinos are killing gamblers. They're just taking them to the woodshed. We got a guy who beats the casinos throughout his career. Lee Sterling's got three games. Joining us next, and Kevin Bollinger from Fox 5 will join us in studio in a little bit. I'm hopeful that, that Nate will be, you know, like I said, it, that was the intent last week, but uh, he fell ill. So uh, Nate's feeling better, and hopefully that will it'll take form here this week. And uh, AB seems to be doing, heading in the right direction too. So, um, again, we probably won't know a whole lot on some of these guys until at least tomorrow um, based on what we're doing today and how we're going to kind of, you know, go through this, this day today. Um, but I think, like I said, I think we have a lot of guys heading in the right direction. That's head coach Josh McDaniels. I just interviewed him an hour ago before Dave Ziegler. You'll hear that interview exclusively tomorrow on Raider Nation Radio. It'll also be up at the Raiders site, Raiders.com, and all all their other platforms. Thanks for coming back here. I'm excited about this weekend in Vegas. We have the USC game, Utah. I'll be attending that Friday. I'll be at the Torch on Sunday, anchoring the broadcast as we kick off the pregame show. And Lee Sterling joins us. From ParamountSports.com, my longtime friend, one of the sharpest guys in the business. And, Lee, I'm, I'm thrilled. You're giving us a bunch of games here. And the first game you're giving us is the game I'm going to. USC, minus 2.5 against Utah. SC lost to this team already. Their coaches are familiar with this. And USC is playing under enormous pressure with the Heisman Trophy and the playoffs on the line. 
Yeah, and, and I, it's important to take notes as you're watching game. I'll never forget watching this game late on the East Coast. It started at 1030. Uh, the three notes that I wrote on the game were Jordan Addison going out in the third quarter hurt USC. They scored 42 points with him going out, and he could have played another 20, 25 minutes if he wasn't hurt. USC held Utah to 138 rushing yards in the game, and there were two late hit calls, one late in the first half, one on the last drive that benefited Utah that probably would have turned the game around in the first half. They would have had to punt with Utah, and then the other one probably would have negated the touchdown. So I just think that this USC team here is something special. As good as Cam Rising is, Caleb Williams is on a different level here. Revenge, USC wins this game 38-31. Yeah, that's a hell of a game, a high-scoring game. You know what's interesting about Caleb Williams? He's just fantastic. He's got everything that an NFL team, offensive coordinator, head coach would want. Class player uh, yep. over some adversity. Look at Jalen Hurts, right, who went from Alabama mm-hmm. to Oklahoma. Now we're seeing Caleb Williams from Oklahoma to USC. Uh, the common thread here, Lee, is Lincoln Riley. You've, you've, you've covered Lincoln Riley your whole career. He really knows how to get the best out of a quarterback. He sure does. I mean, he's able to scheme. And remember, Caleb's in the second year with him now, mm-hmm. so it's yes. not like he's starting fresh. And uh, when you get a receiver come over that you played with at Oklahoma and then you get Jordan Addison, well, you know, I'd like to give it a shot. <laughs> All right, let's go to the NFL yep. where you're going to give us Kansas City minus one and a half against Cincinnati. This is an interesting game to me because Cincinnati went to the AFC and won it last year, went to the Super Bowl. Uh, that's going past Buffalo and Kansas City who played themselves into an elimination game. And I think Joe Burrow is trying to take that climb now with this team and go on a long-term run. It's just hard to bet against Kansas City and Andy Reid. And I don't know if you consider this a trap game. I don't see how it could be for Kansas City playing such a good opponent. Who do you like in this one? Okay, first of all, let's look at the line. And this line started off as Kansas City is a three-point favorite. With Jamar Chase playing, the line has moved a point and a half. That is a lot, even for a star receiver. So maybe a little overreaction. Remember, every team, there's one game, they circle. This is Kansas City's circle game since they lost in the playoffs last year. They had the game. Probably all they needed to do was kick the field goal. Last play of the half, they decided to go for the touchdown. It went downhill from there. In fact, I think they were going through the motions last week thinking about this game. They were 1-6 and six in the red zone here. They did have 350 yards, and they were just going through the motions. Everyone talks about, you know, the Kansas City defense being okay. Well, I think they're pretty special. In fact, look at what they've done the last four weeks. And on the season, 35 sacks. Cincinnati, only 17 this year. I think Kansas City, they get their revenge, too, here, 35-25. 35-25, Kansas City in a big win here. Let's get to the 49ers in Miami. I think this is the must-see game of the weekend for a lot of reasons. San Francisco's defense is stout at every level. But Jimmy Garoppolo, he's been playing well. He's winning games. He's methodical, getting the ball out quickly here. But Miami, I want to see what Mike McDaniels does as he goes up against Kyle Shanahan. And if the pressure of being a head coach – is a little bit too much. Does he want to get Tyreek involved earlier? Does he want to go to him with more targets than typical? Can they run the ball here? I haven't been talking about Miami much this year. You live in Miami and cover the Dolphins as good as anyone here. Who do you like, 49ers-Dolphins? So everyone's going to talk about the matchup. How does San Francisco's great defense 
which has not given up a point in any of the last second halves in the last four games. How do they match up against Tua Hill and Waddle? Well, maybe a bigger question mark is how will the Miami defense defend Debo Samuel? Not many receivers out there that can play the slot. They put it running back and can run and catch the ball. Maybe the best in the NFL as far as a combo. And Miami is also not faced a tight end with a rare skill set of George Kittle. So this is, I think, a bad matchup for Miami. They have to go west. Also, Miami, it looks like, will be without their starting left tackle, Armstead, and they don't have anyone to block Nick Bosa. When Armstead went out last week, they gave up four sacks here late in the first half and two in the second half when they were running the ball early and often here. This is a tough trip. I think San Francisco dominates the line of scrimmage. I would never play Jimmy G off a great game, but last Mm. week didn't play so well. The week before had a great game. I think he bounces back here. I think San Francisco is the right side, 31-24. San Francisco winner over Miami. These are all picks from Lee Sterling, as he's told you so far, with USC, Kansas City, and San Francisco. And your game of the week, uh, the team with 10 wins, 10-1 Philadelphia. I'm just amazed at this team. I'm waiting for them to pull back and play poorly, and it hasn't happened. They're taking on Tennessee. Maybe a team just as physical as Philadelphia is on the offensive and defensive line. This is going to be a backyard brawl. It's going to get in the trenches. I wonder how much Derrick Henry is going to run. I know you have information on this game. How can we get it? Yeah, uh, this will be a client play. If they want to get it for free, just call 800-400-9741. Again, the number 800-400-9741. Give them the game for free. And what a role this year has been. 13 out of 16 winning weeks since the start of the preseason. You want to join us, we call it Double Down December Championship Week Selections, and we have a rare 40-unit play going on Friday night Ooh. there. Also, you can get Championship Week. You're get, going to get entire bowl uh, schedule through the end of December and four weeks of NFL, just $297, one place only. ParamountSports.com. Call Lee right now. He's standing by. 800-400-9741. 800-400-9741. And especially get that play that his A-list clients are getting. Become one of his clients. Lee, have a great week, and I'll talk to you next week. You too, JT. That's a great Lee Sterling. Again, a good friend who's transparent. All of his picks are on his website here. When he wins or loses, it's all right there for you to take a look at. Also, quickly want to mention, and I'll mention it tomorrow too, my good friends in the Black Hole are having a big event. They're over at Sahara. Black Hole, the Black Hole After Dark. And I go to the Sahara a lot. This great, great friend of mine, Michael Shapiro, performs there. And it's fantastic to see what he does in the lounge there. But the Black Hole is going to take it over. Cervezas and superfans, Violator is going to have his own cigar bar. Man, that sounds good. I love cigar Corona specials. Modelo, proud partner of our show. It's a Sahara Zillow Ultra Lounge coming up right here December 3rd at 8 p.m. The Black Hole After Dark. There are a lot of pretending groups in town. I'm the first ever member of the Black Hole Hall of Fame. When the Black Hole is putting on a party over a Raider weekend, you make it a priority. Cisco, the president here in Las Vegas, their whole crew does a great job. Gorilla Rilla will be there, Senor, and Violator with his own cigar bar. And these guys... They deserve to be famous, man. These guys who are the Raiders, these fans, they go everywhere. They put their whole life into this organization. Joe in Vegas. I got to you, Joe. Go ahead. Hey, JT, man. I am ready to rock Sunday. We, get, we need to be standing up on first, 
second and third down for our defense from the first quarter. None of this waiting to the fourth quarter to, to like to come alive. Everybody needs to be up supporting the defense on first, second, and third down. We need to rock Sunday, rock rock those Chargers all the way back to L.A., and then we're going to rock the Rams on Thursday. But we need to show up on Sunday and rock the house. I agree with you. Thank you, Joe. Appreciate the call. And he's right about it. This has got to be an unbelievable game here. If the Raiders win this game, it gives us Sunday after the game on the postgame show, Monday, Tuesday. I'm traveling with the team. I'm going with them on Wednesday to L.A. And all of our shows here on Raider Nation Radio are going to have great momentum with an opportunity to win two in a row after the two overtime games to get to four in a row. I'm not looking past the Chargers, but you know if the Raiders can pull this off and split with them, the Ram game's starting to look really good because of all their injuries and the fact that it's a Raider home game. So I hope everybody's up for it. Like Joe, he's really fired up, and the Black Hole's going to throw a party that'll just blow you away at Sahara, so you don't want to miss that. And I just had Dave Ziegler on, and I have the head coach on tomorrow. So we're doing our job here to give you the interactive ability to chime in on your team, the Raiders, Raider Nation Radio. Raider Nation Radio.